0: Welcome to Double Truck Stories, the home to some of the best features, investigations, and character portraits from across ESPN. I'm Mike Philbrick, your host for the Double Truck Stories podcast. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Eat, sleep, football. That's the way of life for many, okay, most of the men waiting to hear their name called at the NFL draft this April, but not UCLA QB Josh Rosen. He tends to throw in thinking, reading, talking, questioning, and more into his daily routine. This approach tends to put football fans into one of two camps. Either you love him or hate him. No matter which one you are, Josh Rosen will have an answer for you, and in it, he will apologize for nothing and everything, all of it at the same time. It can be confusing. So who is Josh Rosen? Is he an anomaly in the annual ranks of college players looking to make the leap in the NFL? Or... And a generation growing up in an era defined by social media and some civil unrest is the only the beginning. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories podcast on the ESPN app, Apple podcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Stick around after the story for my conversation with ESPN senior writer Sam Alapour as we break down the many sides of Josh Rosen. Now we present, I want to be the winningest QB in NFL history, a Q&A with Josh Rosen and Sam Alapour.
1: I want to be the winningest QB in NFL history, by Sam Alipour. That's just not me, Josh Rosen says of the designer labels on offer for his recent photo shoot for this story. Nah, the ex-UCLA signal caller and projected first-round pick in the 2018 NFL draft is perfectly fine, thank you very much, with his standard wardrobe of tea, jeans, and maltreated chucks. I'm just a regular dude. Rosen says several times at an L.A. studio, seemingly forgetting, or remembering all too well, that roughly half of draft-loving America feels he's a future franchise QB, while the other half fears he's a crap-stirring, system-disrupting locker room poison pill. After the shoot wraps, Rosen and I commandeer the studio's kitchen table and begin a conversation that will veer wildly from his tangents du jour— interplanetary colonization, climate change, the existence of God, to the only, slightly more pressing matter of his volatile draft stock. He's always spoken his mind, and on the brink of the biggest day of his career, he's not changing now. Soon you'll be an NFL quarterback. How does that sound?
2: It's a dream, always has been. It's a loaded term, NFL quarterback, face of the franchise. What does it mean?
1: Ready for that responsibility?
2: I'm excited for it. I don't think I'm ready for it, but I'm as ready as I can be. A lot of it is trial by fire, and what happened to me in college, which people may call Knox, has prepared me for the NFL fire.
1: As a passer, you've been compared to Aaron Rodgers. You were once pegged as the first or second pick. For those off-field knocks, some now see you as a mid-first rounder and the next Jay Cutler. You hear that one? Yeah. It's
2: as frustrating as Baker Mayfield hearing the Johnny Manziel comparisons. I just don't think it's true. But it's up to me to prove them wrong. If it persists, it's my fault for not silencing it.
1: Seemingly every year, one draftee helps shine a light on the volatility of the draft evaluation process, specifically the analysis of the unquantifiable. Rogers was that guy when he fell to 24th. You might be that guy this year. What's it like being inside that wormhole?
2: It's been hectic. I think if teams went back to that draft, they'd rethink some of their critiques of Rodgers. If he's the best pure passer in the draft, the best QB with no legitimate off-field issues, that should be your answer. That's your QB. I think a lot of people try to add fluff at the edge to, I don't know, justify their jobs. I can't say that, but people make it more complicated than it needs to be. Who's
1: the best QB in this draft?
2: I'm the best QB in the draft. A lot of guys are flashier, but I think I'm the most efficient, monotonously consistent QB in this draft. Rodgers has some flair, but if you watch Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, there's nothing that's explosive or Johnny Manziel-like. It's just quarterbacking.
1: But as you said, it's so much more.
2: I have no issues with a team doing due diligence and forming opinions, but... This is my opportunity to answer these questions on a national stage and set the record right with teams so there's no more third-party misinformation. Up to that point, it's just noise.
1: What culpability do you have in creating that noise?
2: Starting off, I was pretty arrogant. They handed an 18-year-old the keys to a D1FBS contending university. I blew up a little, said some things I didn't mean, and that follows you. You get one chance to make a first impression. I made the wrong one.
1: Let's dig into your perceived character flaws. You're a cocky, jerkish, overly opinionated rich kid who's too smart and has too many outside interests for his own good. Did I get it all? Yeah, but let's go one by one. What was the first one? You're a rich kid who, extrapolating here, doesn't need or love the game of football.
2: Okay, my family isn't, like, stupid wealthy but I'm coming from a place where if football doesn't work out, I don't have to work at McDonald's. Other NFL players had the same opportunities. I just haven't tried to hide it or fool teams into thinking I'm someone I'm not. My passion for this game lies in the game, not my need to play it. Tons of players needed this game, needed the money, played it out of obligation and burned out. I don't need it, and still I give everything to it.
1: Your parents are Ivy League educated. Your dad, Charles, an orthopedic surgeon, was on Obama's short list to be Surgeon General. Your mom, Liz, is the great-great-granddaughter of Joseph Wharton of Penn's Wharton Business School. I'll put it this way.
2: These connections were discovered because I shared them. That's my naivete in thinking, I'm going to tell people who I am because that's who I am. At 18, I wasn't aware it was something to hide. Is it something to hide? I think so, because I'm catching flack for it. I could have avoided it if I just shut my mouth, but that's not the person I want to be. What are your football goals? I want to be great in everything I do. As far as football, I always looked up to Kellen Moore of Boise State. I thought it was the coolest thing that he was the winningest QB of all time. I thought that was a cool word, winningest. So I want to be the winningest QB in NFL history. I want to win the most games and most championships. I'd say six titles, but if Tom Brady gets six, I'll say seven.
1: (laughs) That's a perfect transition to, you're cocky, egotistical.
2: You have to be, but you have to know where it plays and where it doesn't. If you're talking to reporters, pull your foot off the pedal. In a game, if the window's closing on your receiver, sometimes you need to dial it up and say, F that, I'm going to get the ball in there. I'm supremely confident in my abilities as a quarterback.
1: A related knock, and it's a biggie. You're a jerk. How does it feel to know that when you Google jerk Josh Rosen, you get thousands of results?
2: It's a blessing in disguise. If you get ID'd as a jerk, you try really hard not to be one. Maybe a little bit of me was a jerk in the past. I'm trying to wipe it away.
1: What's the most jerkish thing you've done?
2: The social media post about
1: Under Armour was pretty essy. And the hot tub. What was the mistake with the tub? Having an inflatable tub in your room? Hosting a woman in the tub or allowing a photo to hit Instagram?
2: Hosting a woman in the tub. Again, it's about tailoring the message. I don't want to get political, but the thing I regret the most about the Trump thing is using the F word. I'm a role model for kids. I regret the F word. Now, the hot tub, I accidentally shipped it to my mom's house. My mom thought it was hilarious and drove it up to me. I thought it was hilarious because she did. But I shouldn't have had a woman in there. I enjoy making people laugh, but what I find funny and put online, others might misconstrue and find jerkish. I need to refine my message, but not lose who I am. Next one. You have an issue with teammates. Just ask my teammates. They love... I don't even want to say that. It'd be jerkish to say I'm effing sick and my teammates would reaffirm me because I'm dope. Talk to my teammates. I'm confident they recognize how much I care for them.
1: How would you describe your leadership style?
2: I'm not rah-rah. I want to develop individual relationships to understand how certain people react. Does he respond to a kick in the butt, or does he need encouragement because he's self-critical? I take the time and effort to get the best out of every individual, not out of fear, but out of love.
1: Former UCLA coach Jim Mora swears by you, but in SI, he called you, quote, a challenge, but he's a fun challenge, a great challenge, and an interesting challenge, end quote. What do you think he meant by that?
2: I think if you can take radioactive material and concentrate it, you can get something real special out of it.
1: You're that material?
2: Yeah. People go, he's radioactive, but that's pretty wonderful if you know how to point it in the right direction. We're almost
1: done with your flaws. All good. You're enjoying this? Absolutely. You're too
2: smart. There are NFL guys who are mathematicians. I'm not that smart. I don't have the raw IQ that others do. I'm just curious.
1: I like reading and learning, and because I value authenticity, I'll talk about it. Is it true that your former position coach, Marcus Tuayasasopo, started meetings with a two-minute Josh period where you could express that curiosity before focusing on football?
2: we just come in early and shoot the S yes about what's going on in the world, but my curiosity applies to football, too. One of the things I appreciate about ex-UCLA offensive coordinator Jed Fish is he teaches us the history of plays and why we're calling them. Why are we calling this play and what are we trying to get out of it? If I'm not asking those questions, there's a disconnect between what me and my offensive coordinator are thinking.
1: I'm a people pleaser. Tell me why and I'll execute it. Your high school coach said you're also curious about religion, and while you're Jewish, you attended Mass every Sunday.
2: That's right. I went to a Catholic school, and it was cool to learn. You have to have an open mind. It'd be naive to think you're just born into the right religion that will get you into heaven. My opinion will evolve and grow. Where do you sit on it?
1: I'm Muslim by heritage, and I used to attend Mass, too. But it was partly to impress a Catholic girlfriend. Now I'm agnostic. Same, but
2: agnostic and atheist are loaded words. People get scared like, whoa. Look, I don't know, and I don't think it's possible to know. Don't tell me how to live my life, but I'd love to hear about how you live yours. What else are you curious about presently? Film. I'm a big documentary guy. I just saw Icarus. That was pretty good. And I love every Christopher Nolan movie, especially Interstellar. I'm a big Neil deGrasse Tyson fan. I've read all his books. Now I'm on astrophysics for people in a hurry. I watched the whole Cosmos series, and I'm a huge fan of Elon Musk. I think he's getting ready to nuke the poles, spark some global warming over there. Wait, slow down, bro. What are you talking about right now? Not to sound like a nerd, but Elon's goal with Mars is to find a way to speed up the greenhouse effect, heat up the planet and grow vegetation, possibly by launching nuclear warheads at the poles. You know how a volcano erupts and ash suffocates Earth. If you do that on Mars... See, now people will go, he's too smart. No, I just think it's cool. I'm not smart enough to be an astrophysicist. I'm curious enough to read what they want to tell me.
1: We're at the last knock on you. He has too many outside interests and is overly opinionated. I want to comment on overly opinionated. I'm not saying I'm
2: right, you're wrong. I'm saying... Tell me your opinion and let's find common ground.
1: My opinions are out there so they can be molded and so I can learn. But you're expressing these opinions in an age when some people want athletes to shut up and dribble.
2: That minority will go away. Not completely, but I'm sorry you're not winning this one. You won't successfully get people
1: to stop caring for other people. Not happening. As a pro, will you continue to speak up or will you shut up and throw? Both.
2: I think I need to shut up and throw when I get there. I do want to get involved in my community immediately. But the main thing is the main thing. J.J. Watt is a guy I admire, the way he balances the two. Athletes have a platform. It'd be selfish to shut up and throw, get paid, go to the Bahamas. It's selfless to be J.J. Watt.
1: To which causes will you
2: lend your voice as a pro? I think it'll evolve. But one cause I'll champion is the environment. It touches everything. I mean, the war in Syria started because of the drought and famine that destabilized the country and led the population to revolt against the government. I know global warming is a partisan issue for some stupid reason, but it touches everything.
1: Keep in mind, the NFL isn't the NBA, where marquee names regularly critique the occupant of the White House, for example. Clearly, you lean liberal. Are you going to stay out of politics as a pro?
2: My dad voted for Donald Trump and contributed to his campaign. My mom is a strong feminist liberal. That's how I'm learning compromise. I'm not going to be political. I'm just going to do what I believe is right. And if that happens to fall on the political spectrum, so be it. But there's a time and a place for it. You might not want to speak against the president in the playoffs or before you have a starting job on a team and actually have a voice.
1: Will you continue to advocate on behalf of student-athletes as a pro?
2: Yeah. I don't know how, but it's something I'll continue to fight for. I just hope people understand it comes from a good place. I'm not trying to mess up a system. I just care for other people.
1: LeBron James and your fellow Bruin Lonzo Ball are among the pros to recently challenged so-called amateur status. Was it a mistake for you to do so while still in school?
2: No, but how I did it was. Sliding my own college on its apparel deal on Instagram wasn't very intelligent. The message needed shaping, but... As a pro, I'll have resources to get things done, affect things, not just with opinions in the news. One of the reasons I came out of college was to actually have the resources to do, like, a massive beach cleanup.
1: At UCLA, you spoke about athletes who are living in a team room because they can't make a security deposit. Did you see that at UCLA?
2: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of these guys, if they don't get food from the team, they're not going to eat. Food budgets are starting to increase around the country. I know new UCLA coach Chip Kelly is pushing it as far as he can. Same thing with gas. They can't see their family if they can't afford to drive. How are you going to recruit a poor kid from Louisiana to UCLA if you have to tell them they can't see their family over Christmas because we can't fly them back? Those are the disparities that make you bummed out. What's the fix? If you want to fix the NCAA, the time, effort, and intention must be there. Smart people have to get in a room and take opinions from students, ADs, commissioners, TV partners. It'll be messy, it'll be complicated, but if it's going to help a few kids' lives, it's worth it. But that's for
1: smart people to figure out, and that's not you, apparently.
2: I think the answer is the untapped revenue stream in marketing. Because players aren't allowed to use their names and likeness, I think there's a space where the NCAA permits marketability to some extent, and that revenue stream could be divided up. Maybe you should be in that room after all. I have a 60-page document on it I can show you after this, but I don't want people to know it's actually written.
1: Clearly, you've got a good mind and designs on how to use
2: it. Are you worried that... I don't have designs. I have intentions to find those designs. Like, how are you going to save the world, man? I don't know. I just know
1: I want to. In time, I'll figure it out. Well, you'll need a functioning brain for that. Are you worried about damaging it playing this game? Absolutely. I haven't run into
2: any issues, but I'm acutely aware of them. It's scary, but we all accept that, playing this game. Football is football. I don't know enough to make a judgment on it. I'm not going to say anything about the CTE and concussions until I know all the facts.
1: Since we're getting all deep in everything, what do you want out of life, Josh? I want to be happy.
2: But happiness is a weird thing. You can't be happy all the time. You have to fluctuate. I want to find purpose. One of the reasons I left school early is I felt like I was chasing a bunch of different things, trying to get A's in class, being good on the field, networking professionally. Right now, I want to be the best QB that I possibly effing can be. When the NFL decides I suck, I want to be the absolute best at the next thing in my life.
0: Now joining me is ESPN senior writer Sam Alipour. Hello. Thank you for the time.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: It's uh, this was some great access you got to Josh. It was uh, he definitely, as always, has a lot to say.
3: <laughs> he is. He's a very interesting person. He's, he's the most. We call him the most intriguing person in the draft. Certainly, the most outspoken, and uh, he's paying the price for it now.
0: And what I've seen, like some of the questions I'm going to ask you, it just seems that. It seems that there's a lot of double standards and like almost hypocrisy going on with just the way things are and the way things, the way fans perceive them. I'll get to all that, but that's what I think makes it more interesting is people don't realize that they're almost causing it themselves with their sort of double biases here. And it's causing him to think a certain way, the way he reacts to some of the questions you had about, what about this? What about this? And some of his traits. Like, well, first off, he seems like he's a guy that cares about a lot and more than just football. But at the same time, when it comes to his opinions, it seems like he wants us to think he doesn't care what we think about him. Because I mean and what I mean by that he has a lot of opinions about himself, football, politics, NCA. But at the same time, he doesn't think he doesn't really seem to care what we think about his opinions. But yet at the same time, he see he's almost on this part of his pre draft tour. Explaining his opinions where if he didn't care it almost would be like if he really didn't care wouldn't he just kind of shut you down right away and just say like I don't care next
3: right well look he cares right now because this is the audition of a lifetime
0: mm-hmm.
3: and he's trying to explain his opinions now I kind of, I get where he's coming from. I'm I'm a very passionate person too, and I have a lot of opinions about a lot of things. Uh, you, you get me drunk sometimes. I'll we'll get into some of these things. And and here's the thing though. I always tell my friends or whoever I'm arguing with that my opinion can be changed. I'm mm-hmm. actually voicing these out so you can hear them. We can hear them together. I can hear what you got to say. And. And from from that conflict, so to speak, comes, you know, a productive conversation. Um, And you would think you learn and you grow from it as a person. Um, So I actually understood exactly where he's coming from Mm -hmm. when he said he puts his opinions out there so that they can be molded. He cares to learn. He doesn't care to hear the sound of his own voice. Right uh, and and I and I saw and I and I you know I, I saw eye with him on that I, I get it.
0: Now one of the things that he just said, you know, involving things get spun and whatnot online, and he says that, you know, it's just noise, like some of it, and he's like trying to clear it up, and he wants to clear up any con- conceptions, uh misconceptions about him, so he is willing to answer anything, but at the end, like, won't his his game do all the talking. So why even the need to clear anything up? Because wouldn't someone like him, wouldn't you, I mean, or if you were in his position, wouldn't you want to be passed over by a team that's relying on hearsay and conjecture in third party stories without doing their due diligence about him? Like, in fact, like, yes. in that, if like, if that was the difference between like picking him and not picking him, like, well, we heard, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's nothing they really actually researched. From my perspective, I'd be like, great, please don't pick me. I want nothing to do with you. <laughs>
3: And and I have no doubt that played a role in his decision to do this interview. Um, As, as his rep, his agent pointed out to me, it's a risk. It's a risk putting a microphone in front of Josh. Uh, What, what, what they liked about this is it's a conversation and it's just his words, no editorializing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing they liked about it, I'm, I'm sure is he, he wanted this stage to be able to speak back to the nfl draft whisper machine Mm -hmm. right it's killing him right now it's it's crushing his draft stock uh projected first or second pick is now going as low as i think i saw him in 15 somewhere uh it, it he needs this is this is a fight and he saw this as an opportunity to speak directly to those to those rumors to the, to the perceived character flaws. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you're right. I think part of his his reasoning here is, and why he won't quote, shut up and throw is because he does want teams to know what he's getting. Uh, Excuse me, what they're getting. He wants them to know the real Josh Rosen. Right. And I, I, I haven't done a job interview in a while, but, And when I used to apply to jobs, I want the employer or the would-be employer to know exactly who I am, flaws and all.
0: Like the exact opposite of an online dating profile. (laughs)
3: Exactly. Exactly. My Instagram is all roses, dude. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right.
0: But this is sort of like what I was saying at the beginning with the hypocrisy that in a way he... Well, sometimes he says, you know, he says some things that maybe he regrets or whatnot. But some, part of it is the hypocrisy where, you know, shut up and throw like from uh, LeBron James, shut up and dribble, causing a stir. Because, you know, there's no reason why an athlete can't be a thinker and an activist and still be an athlete. But it also seems like people like us, the fans, tend to worry when someone like Josh or LeBron is out there being more curious about things other than, Read, like, Josh reading his own defense. Meaning, like, you can't, you can't be upset that Josh is out there being a smart guy, thinking and saying what, and just being sort of cerebral. And then at the same time, if he didn't do all this and you found out he didn't do great on the Wonderlick, you know, social media would come down like, wow, this guy's a dummy. You'd, Look at his score.
3: Yeah, you'd crush him.
0: You'd right. Crush it's, him. it's like, wait a minute. So like he, can he, do you almost want to say to everyone, is he allowed, are these people allowed to think or not?
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, being a curious person and having outside interests and being being uh focused and goal oriented football player are not mutually exclusive.
0: Mm-hmm. I
3: mean, quarterbacks are smart, right? They're just smart. They They're smart people. You can't play the position and be a dummy. Right. Nope. And with smart people comes comes people who you know uh, well-rounded people people who uh, want to test that that mental acumen in a variety of ways he is that guy he's a very very uh, you know he, he he'll fight it but he's a very very smart guy so what uh, where he's running into trouble is he's playing a position that is manned by a bunch of, manil- of vanilla you know machine type personalities whether it's accurate or not whether that's real or not uh it could be that drew Brees is the most interesting man in the world
0: Mm -hmm. but
3: you put a microphone in front of him he's not going to say anything remotely interesting or controversial
0: it's not worth his he's learned it's not worth his time or effort it's
3: not worth it because at the end of the day the nfl is the most buttoned up conservative pro sports league right Mm -hmm. the nba you have lebron james and on down the line, speaking regularly on social issues and political issues right. in the NFL, you don't do that, at least mm-hmm. not at the quarterback position, the most high profile position in all of American pro sports, but that's not in any position if so asked, interesting.
0: If you ask right? these guys that haven't, been, if you ask the guys that, you know, protested and haven't been signed yet as free agents, it's not in any position. Like it's, it's a zero tolerance policy, let alone. Right.
3: quarterbacks. That's absolutely right. And that's what makes it so intriguing. I mean, He's the cover athlete of our next issue. We're calling him next, but he's actually the first. He, he mm-hmm. could very well be the first bold, informed voice to man the top position in America's top sport. And just think what happens next, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just imagine the influence someone like that, a bold, informed voice, could have from that platform. So will he shut up and throw? I hope not. Right. But as, you know, he sort of hedged his bet a little. He, he said, I will shut up and throw to some extent when I get yeah, there. Well, I he, yeah, I he,
0: seemed, he seems not to be in, entitled like, you know, the champ is here, like walking in the locker room. He knows he needs to win exactly it over.
3: Right. He specifically said, you know, I need to earn my spot, right? And, and maybe I, I, I become more outspoken when I have a starting role. Uh, but he, he, he'll bite his time. He's, he's, you know, as, as brash as his words are, sometimes he, he came across as, as a humble person who knows what he doesn't know. Right. As he said, like what he liked about his offensive coordinator at UC, uh, UCLA, coach fish, mm-hmm. he said he, he would teach them the history of the plays and why they're calling them. Cause he, he doesn't know. Right. Teach him the why, and he'll do it. As you said, he's a people pleaser. Just tell him why, let him learn, and then he'll execute.
0: And what is interesting, though, but going back, so this is like my point, the initial point, like with the wonder, like whatever, it seems like he's a little bit a victim of a hypocrisy of like we want both sides, and we're just going to criticize whichever one you aren't at the moment. But the other part of it is it seems that you know, when he spoke of his background, like his father's an orthopedic surgeon. His mother is a Princeton educated former journalist. Her mother, his mother's legacy goes through the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. And then he said of football not working out, he said, you know, quote, I don't have to work at McDonald's. And for an intelligent guy, to me, that made no sense. Meaning that it's almost like he relies on his thinking so much that sometimes he thinks too quickly and says the first thing because you know, if you come from massive privilege and I come from nothing and we both meet on the US, uh, UCLA football field, once we're there together, once we experience UCLA, maybe our struggles were different, but from then on, you know, we don't, has nothing to do with McDonald's. I guess he could say, you know, I guess he could have said like, no, I don't, like if football doesn't work out, I really don't know what, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to struggle growing up. Like my, my father was a surgeon. But I guess my other point is – so I guess my point is, do you think that sometimes he's the victim of his own brain in the sense that he's overconfident and he has to sort of back up what he says a little bit, like back off what he says, They should say?
3: Yeah. I mean, look, he's, he's quick-witted and, and uh, talks pretty fast, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, as we all know, the, the filter isn't secure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you tell me what you want, Mike. You want that filter in there? I'm – I you know I, I blurt out things that I regret, uh, but you know I, I don't I. In some ways, he played this safe because he didn't walk back some things. Sure, you know, sort of mid question. Um, now, yeah, I'm not trying know, to come
0: honestly. down on him for specifically saying that. I'm just using it like as an example of it's almost like you're thinking too quickly. Right. Like your and, brain, you're getting a little bit too confident in your a, brain. Yeah.
3: And it could be an issue because, yeah. you know, there's nuance in a Q&A, right? We're sitting mm-hmm. down for close to an hour having a conversation and he can, and he can, you know, guide it to some extent. With a camera, you know, on the field after practice, he, he might blurt out something. Sure. <laughs> and it could it could, it, it, it's, it could be risky. Look, he's a risky proposition, Right. A team needs to believe in him as a human being in his character in his right. ability to lead. And they have to be willing to put up with the occasional hiccup. Right. And mm-hmm. there will be hiccups. There will, there will be, there absolutely, you know, he, he's not going to be squeaky clean, Mr. Perfect out there. It's, it's not going to happen. Uh, but he is going to be real. As he said repeatedly, I'm never going to stop being real. And, you know, that's the kind of person you want to hang out with. Is that the kind of person you want in your locker room? I'm a Raider fan. I I have Derek Carr and I'm very happy with him. (laughs) But I love him in the Raider locker room, right? Sure. I don't know that that applies in conservative country. Uh, So, you know, again, part of the reason I think he's doing this is to let people know exactly who he is and there will be no mistakes made by a team who's on the fence.
0: But when it comes to some of these character flaws or perceived character flaws, and just like I said about, you know, if you had mentioned that again, like, hey, the McDonald's thing that I just said, he'd probably back off. would be like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because he seems self-aware and, you know, something every one of us could use a little more of being self-aware of your own personal flaws. But right. when you talk about him being cocky, isn't he in a profession where you need to be cocky? I mean, if his father was going to operate on my leg, I would want him to have the same approach as Josh and be like, dude, no problem. Relax. I got this. Total piece of cake.
3: <laughs> yeah. As opposed to, you know, I don't really know where the knife goes in this situation.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's like, like, it's like, yikes. I haven't seen one of those, you know, as you're falling asleep. Right. I mean, it seems as far as balance, he knows you need this, but, but then he also has sort of learned like, I'll explain it to you, but I know- Going back to your Drew Brees point, like I'm starting to learn that maybe there's some of it. It's not worth my time to say out loud. Like if I see right. that little that little moment there, like yeah, I'm going to shove that. I'm going to get that ball in there. I'm going to get that to him. I can do that.
3: That's exactly what you want in a quarterback, um, and a especially surgeon. and especially in a quarterback, right? <laughs> uh, again, back to my Raiders. Derek Carr is a very, very gutsy thrower. So is right. Brett Favre. So are all the best, right? Um, maybe, maybe Josh doesn't play with Flair, as he, as he said himself, but he's a very gutsy thrower. And mm-hmm. I want a confident quarterback in my huddle. I want a leader of men. And me- leaders of men are not meek. They're confident. They're cocky. The best of the best, and I've been around most of them, from Kobe to LeBron, they are impossibly cocky. Right. And they wouldn't be who they are, were they not?
0: And, yeah, and it's interesting when you say that about, like, you know, the the guy who makes the dangerous throws if need be. I mean, look at Brett Favre. Brett Favre threw picks and some of, like, the, the biggest plays of his, de- defining plays of his career at the end, like when he was with the Vikings, was an interception. But he's right. still called the guns He's still always oh, a gunslinger. You're right. always in it with it, you know. Like, he gets the scales tipping that way.
3: And by the way, a curious person who asks you questions, as he did several times throughout the interview, we cut a lot of it because, you know, I'm interviewing him, but he's, he's asking me questions, too. Mm-hmm. A curious person who asks, who asks you about you and wants to know, like, for example, when we got into religion, yes. he wants to know where I sat on it. Uh, well, you know, like him, he's, he's, he's Jewish by heritage, mm-hmm. and I am, too. Uh, excuse me. I am Muslim by heritage, the exact yes. opposite.
0: <laughs> I, I was like, wait a minute, hold on, I've <laughs> yeah. met you, that's it's not true. Exactly.
3: <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I I went to mass regularly for a period of my life, partly to impress uh, an ex-girlfriend, but because... But I, I did that too, to by the wife. way,
0: and I did that too, FYI, and we got married, right? so I'm better at this. And you got now. married? Yeah, huh. so I'm better Maybe I'll at keep this doing day. it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, I, like him, I studied this. I actually read the book, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and anyway, he's grilling me. I'm grilling him. Back to my point. That, that kind of curious mind who admits to not knowing, to not having all the answers that he did multiple times in my interview, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's not an arrogant person. He's keenly aware of what he doesn't know. Uh, the cockiness is on the field. Uh, and, you know, that, again, that's who you want on the field. Right.
0: Right. But as far as going back to religion, it's interesting you may just mentioned that because I found that he seemed to was – the vibe I kind of got out of it, that he was more a little politically aware. And what I mean by that is uh, as he started to define like, you know, agnostic this or that or not being sure which one over the other – because um, there are – whether we like it or not, there are labels that come with – like you could – like if someone said, hey, I'm an evangelical Christian, there's a lot of people who are then just going to quickly assume with the way that the world works right now about you. And it could yep. all be completely not true. So right. the perceived conclusions about people that he does not care about that, it seems that he wants to be heard and have that conversation. And so he's quick to like – say what he said because you really can't have that conversation if there's a necessity to let people know that oh no I'm not this and I'm not that let me cut through all that before we even get to the conversation to make my point it seems that like right. you really can't be curious if you're wading through labels so yeah. Yeah, I thought I well, that he was sort of careful on the ones he used
3: you know I, I think he's smart to be careful mm-hmm. <laughs> he's- he's having a very important conversation on, uh, on the national stage. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm surprised he didn't trip up more. You know, uh, you're, you're pointing out where, where he kind of pulls things back. I'm surprised he didn't trip up more. Right. Yeah. Um, I honestly coming into this interview, what was so exciting about this is I had literally no idea where this conversation would go. Um, what I, the, you know, we knew he's the best pure passer in the draft. We are consensus. Anyway, we mm-hmm. knew he'd make for a good interview. He's smart. He's passionate. He's in this precarious place fighting for his NFL life. What we didn't know, or at least I didn't know going in is whether he's actually a jerk, whether he, <laughs> you know, combative or worse. And I'll be honest with you. I was excited going in. It was like a, like, I don't want to uh, interviews are never prize fights, but I was ex- as, as excited as you could be going into to an interview. I, Right. You know, as far as I could tell, there was, is was either going to go along swimmingly and we've had, a, we've had, we would have a very productive conversation or we'd hate each other because <laughs> that, you know, that, that was the sort of conceit of the interview. Like me and me and my editor, Ryan Hawkinsmith, one of the editors on this piece, we had several conversations going in uh, to this interview about uh, w- w- all the different routes that this conversation could take. You know, worst case scenario, he's a jerk. He doesn't like my line of questioning. It gets heated, and I end up in a fist fight with a college kid. Uh, <laughs> certainly didn't. Right? Certainly didn't want that to happen. I don't think I'd but put the money on
0: you in on that one. I'm sorry.
3: Right, but there, but there's neither would I. He's a very, very large guy. Yes, um, but there, there's also no way to sugarcoat the knocks on his character. So. Ryan and I thought, you know, screw it. What if I just come right out near the top of the interview and, and just call him as the draft whisper machine, sees him? Meaning, basically, mm-hmm. Josh, you know, word is you're an entitled rich kid who's got, you know, who's kind of a jerk, doesn't need the game, doesn't love the game, too smart, has, you have too many outside interests. And by the way, apparently nobody likes you, bro. <laughs> and, and then and by you the way, make, my name's so Sam. Good to meet
0: you. Take care. <laughs> Good <morning.
3: laughs> no yeah yeah we uh we played some cats going into it we we loosened things up a little bit That's great. uh but uh but you know with that kind of uh with 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 all that ground to cover um not to mention i i knew we'd be getting into his his you know thoughts on religion and mm-hmm. and politics and you know, it's amazing he didn't trip up more and yeah. and and, and you know, rather than trip up, he embraced it. Right. I, I called him all those things. And you see in the story, you read mm-hmm. in the story, uh, he dug it. He embraced the yeah. conceit. And he's actually it's like,
0: going on next. <laughs>
3: yeah. I love it. Yeah. He's actually, you know, ask, uh, let's go one by one. Hit me up. Hit me again. Yeah. With, but, uh, you know,
0: with all the insults you could muster. Right. Cause um, I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss any of them.
3: Exactly. I, I, that was, that was kind of thrilling. Cause again, I braced for impact there and, And he went one by one and he dressed all the so-called, you know, flaws. And in my opinion, dismantled them when appropriate, owned up to them, you know, when necessary um, and, and handled it really well. I mean, it's really, I didn't go in there hoping that he'd trip up and give me the quote. I'm not Mm -hmm. that guy. I'm just surprised he did (laughs) not
0: Yeah. And I just, and some of the things though, I know it seems like, that's what I'm trying to figure out, what he truly cares about in the sense that uh like I don't know why he would ever apologize for any part, even one tiny second of the inflatable hot tub in the dorm room. I mean that I totally to me look like that to me look like the most college thing I've ever seen. Like I can't yeah. imagine what my dorm room would have looked like if Amazon Prime existed in the nineteen nineties.
3: Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean
0: uh It would have been yes. like the big the I'm biggest happy. fire trap.
3: I'm happy camera phones were not a thing when I was at UCLA. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not
0: good.
3: And I'll tell. And I'll tell you, uh, I, I didn't think he had much to apologize for either. But look, dude, he got killed uh, yeah. by some, by a lot, and uh, he's the as he put it, you know, I'm, I, he, I don't think this was actually in the piece, but he said, look, I, I was quote unquote Josh Rosen quarterback of UCLA, and for a while there, I didn't know it, mm-hmm. and that's how, you know, that's, that's how some of these things got away from him. His own words really got right. away from him. And, and a few social media posts. Um, mm-hmm. When you're the quarterback of a uh, contending D1, you know, football team. Yeah. I guess you don't, I guess you don't have a girl in, in an inflatable tub. And you, I mean, they're just sitting next to each other as if they're relatives and not, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, in a relationship, but I guess you don't do that. And, he apologized for that, and he, uh, he he the Under Armour post about uh, their UCLA deal. You know, mm-hmm. he, he regrets sliding his own school. Like as he said repeatedly throughout our chat, you know, I need to tailor the message. Uh, yeah, I guess I mean I can understand with-
0: that. You've, you've got you've got the free stuff that he's wearing, and the money that his the school that is giving the opportunity is getting. I understand why he'd want to back off that. Just the hot tub. Right. I was like, dude, no. Right, you're
3: fine, and and the F word Trump on his bandana, right? Yeah, not Uh, the best, not the best call. Not probably not the best uh, with with the F word on the bandana. You know, yeah. (laughs) But dude, I've done much worse uh, without the spotlight, right? And he don't he you know he fesses up to these things. Let me ask you this: Does he
0: really have a sixty-page document on how to fix the NCAA?
3: It's funny, I haven't asked him yet, but he has sent me several links since via text for the things that he wants to, <laughs> the things we talked about and, and, uh, and we want to dig into further. Just, just two, two guys talking, not as a part of the interview. Uh, that's one thing he hasn't, I haven't asked for. It uh, didn't seem like he wanted to, <laughs> to publish it anyway. Sure. But uh, yeah, I fully... Fully believe that he has written a sixty-page document on how to fix the NCAA. <laughs> well, one <what are> of <laughs> the things he—no yeah. question in my mind is
0: now. So, one of the things he kind of the scenario he closes uh, with uh, the piece. I mean, uh, that what's in the magazine is something that others have said. Like, you know, football's over. I'll just do the next thing, hopefully with the same passion I played. And you know, when he says, "quote When the NFL decides I suck," end quote. But in his young life so far you know you look at growing up um wealthy and grow in being very successful uh transitioning to everything has pretty much been on his terms like do you think he's someone with the way that he thinks and the way he is self aware is he wired to find a different success after if the nfl turns out in some ways quicker than he wants to be a failure
3: why why yeah i don't doubt it i <laughs> mean He's, he's, re- he's really smart. He has a lot of interests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to have one heck of a Rolodex when he's done, right? <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was telling me he, he was networking professionally in school. Uh, he's got his eyes uh, forward at mm-hmm. all times. And, uh, and they do wander, right? But you don't get to where he is without having the passion for football. So, sure. so let's, let's just accept that. All right, uh, I, I don't know how people who have other interests and yet are like Miles Garrett last year. All right, I had I did the cover stories, same issue with Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. Dude has a million thoughts and a million things, and he wants to be a paleontologist one day. He's yep. a bright kid, and I have no doubt with the drive that he's demonstrated on the football field. If he wants to be a paleontologist, and believe me, he does, he will be a paleontologist. Right now, I don't think. Josh has decided what his next step is, right? I know when he was younger, he was thinking venture capital or something in banking. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's figured that out yet, but
0: yep. coming I guess away my, yeah, this, I guess my question, yeah. Sam, is, is he prepared to transition if it's not on his, like, forget about what he's capable of. Do you think he's wired? Do you think like the fatal flaw of having the the ego that you need to have to play that position do you think he's wired to successfully translate that transition, or will it be a bumpy road? Meaning, when he stops playing football, if he wants to be quote the best QB of all time, you know,
3: he's going to suck at something.
0: If if my point is, if he ends up not being that, and he ends up being out of football earlier than right. he plans, that's if you look at what he's been able to do so far, that's going to be probably the first the first real failure that he's had to go through. Right. Like, is do you think he's wired for that? Do you think his, his breath of Are you suggesting interest that would and knowledge will
3: him? That, no. that that football failure?
0: Yeah, I'm saying do you think he's wired to prepare to succeed again if he does fail at football?
3: On a professional level. I do. Yeah, I absolutely do. Uh, I he's, he's got balls in the air and I think he he will pounce he will pounce on the next thing, whatever happens with football. Right. And and potentially be more successful at the next thing. Uh, Again, If if I'm hearing his voice correctly mm -hmm. and his reading his passion and we, we know, you know, he's got really smart, deep thoughts and everything from interplanetary colonization to to you name it. And we didn't get into this in the story, but don't get him started on the democratization of media content and, and being a content producer. Uh, He's, I have no doubt come failure in football, he will pounce on the next thing. And he's probably, you know, the smartest athletes, they are working on the next thing while they're doing football, right? I mean, you you ask any happily retired NFL player,
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, they said that the the, the the best decision they made is to not wait until that failure that you suck, you can't play football anymore, call comes and you work on it throughout, you know, your, your career there's the, I don't think there's any doubt that he's, he's he'll be planning he'll be planning for that phone call when the NFL says you suck and you can't play and he, he'll be hugely successful in the next thing I felt the same way about Kobe I felt mm-hmm. the same way about Kobe Kobe I I, I, I mean I, I, I've known him personally for years I knew that that guy would kill the next thing I didn't know what the next thing would be until later in his career uh-huh. uh, if Kobe had crashed and burned in, in, because of some injury in basketball he would have destroyed the next thing I, I see I see a lot of similarities there and not just because they both have an interest in media by the way mm-hmm.
0: well we'll have to see where he goes and what he does and I'm sure you'll be following it every step of the way
3: I think we all will be
0: mm-hmm. well thank we you Sam it. thank you for your time thanks dude Love All right, to. take care Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon with more Double Truck Stories Podcasts.